Welcome to this special episode of the Farmers Weekly Podcast, sponsored by Corteva. I'm Louise Impey. Oilseed rape has had more than its fair share of challenges in recent years. Many growers have abandoned the crop due to problems mainly with cabbage stem flea beetle. But is oilseed rape really a break crop at breaking point? Or could it be about to undergo a revival? I've come to North East Norfolk to find out. Kit Papworth, we're contract farmers in North East Norfolk. We don't put a crop in the ground unless we can be sure that it's going to germinate and grow away quickly. And so that, that's the start point, really. If we, if we haven't got moisture there, then we either try and find it, and I'm not afraid to plough to get an oilseed rape seedbed, or, or we're going to have to wait. And that's when I think drilling day comes into it. I don't think we can say now that we're going to drill rape in July or, or even in August, and I'm not afraid to drill right up to the 20th of September to wait until we've got moisture there. So you're, you're flexible with your drilling day. Have you had to change other things in the way that you grow the crop? We, like many growers, had, had gone down a more minimum tillage route with uh, oilseed rape establishment. It's a really busy time of year, particularly on a root crop farm. We tend to be lifting salad potatoes. We're generally finishing harvest when we're putting rape in. And we'd gone to the route where one person was in charge of putting rape in the ground. These days, we're giving it much more emphasis and not afraid to do heavy cultivations or ploughing in front of a, a conventional drill rather than scattering it on the top and hoping. Tell us a little bit about seed rates, because there's uh, some debate about whether people should use a high seed rate, a low seed rate. I, I think probably seed is fairly cheap insurance policy, and I'm sure the plant breeders will uh, not like me for saying this, but my seed rates would be typically 20% higher than most people's. And when I look at my AHDB benchmarking figures against other farmers, uh, we're certainly spending more money on seed. Even in our hybrids, our, our here and whole crops, we're spending more money on seed than many people are. But equally, um, you know, we've probably got a more even crop establishment as a result. Does that mean then that you have to do something about those crops? Are they too thick? We've certainly got some thick crops this season. I, I, I can't, I'm not afraid, afraid of doing that, but I'd rather have that, particularly with the pigeon pressure we saw last year where we got slightly backward crops and we spent all winter chasing around after pigeons. So, yes, we have got some thick crops this season. That might impact on ultimate yield, but I'd rather have that problem. It's a nice problem to have than, than the other way and a thin crop, which is constantly under attack. It's a mugs game at predicting oil seed rate yields. But from what we've seen today, I would say you're probably fairly confident this is going to be a reasonably good year for your rate. We've got some very, very light land, um, but a farm average is still 3.75. And that includes last year, which uh, you know, was, a, was a lower yielding year for us. I would say we're definitely on an average year and, and, and our, you know, most of our crops look better than average. So I'd like to think we'll get above that. Last year, was it weather that caused the lower yields? Or I think we learned a lot from last year. We put crops into the ground, into moisture, and then they ran out of moisture. And actually, I, I irrigated two fields to get them up and away. But you know, again, once you've got the crop away, you know, well sown is half grown. Once we were up and running, we'd got crops there, and it was just those bare patches, the bits that didn't get didn't get away, that really got attacked. So we learned then that establishment was key, and, and it's probably going back to an older technique of, of trying to get everything running quicker. I haven't got the crop pressures that some of the guys in Cambridgeshire, Bedfordshire, Hertfordshire have got. So I'm not companion cropping. I'm not placing fertilizer. We do put an autumn compound on, on once we've got a crop established, you know, but, but actually this is much more about establishment technique than it is about companion cropping or any of those other things, that we, which we could look at, but I need to be really confident I can actually get a crop to grow before I start doing those sorts of things. 
I think provided we've got the weather at the time and a good technique and you can get a crop of wheat in the ground behind it, I think it's one of the very best break crops. Oilseed rake grower Kit Patworth. Now a word from our podcast sponsor, John Sellers of Corteva. Here at Corteva, we do see a bright future for all seed rape, but it will be grown very differently than it was in the past. We won't be going back to uh, 600,000 hectares anytime soon, but certainly in the UK, there's demand for the products of all seed rape. We see, uh, you know, biofuel demands, we see demands for uh, um, sort of healthy oils. So the demand is there. So economically, you know, the future's looking good. And you've only got to look real in the back of the farmer's weekly and see the current prices for all seed rate going forward. But what people do forget is that uh, ordinarily it's a very important crop in the rotation. So not only is it important economically, it's important agronomically. You've got to bear in mind that a lot of the first wheat yields are coming on the back of an all seed rate crop. It's well known for increasing the tilth of the soil in the rotation and as well, Working with propizomide, it's a way of managing blackgrass, which is quite a significant weed problem here in the UK. We see farmers being extremely resilient and uh, very innovative with their with their solutions. We'll we'll see you know, maybe uh, rotations widening. Um, historically, we've been looking at one in three. Perhaps we'll see that going to one in four, one in five, maybe one in six years. So we've seen a number of growers opt out. And we'll see over the next couple of years that they'll start to come in again as those rotations sort of accommodate that. And we may see a lift in the area, uh, sort of medium to longer term. Farmers are being very, very innovative and uh, um, we're seeing lots of strategies against cabbage stem flea beetle. Fundamentally, that's the real the real issue in growing our seed rate just very recently. And uh, we see all sorts of strategies, it's early drilling, late drilling, Drilling into moisture is the most important thing in the seed and soil contact. Uh, we see long straw, companion cropping. So, so yes, I think I think the future of all seed rape is looking good. A little bit different than um, historically, but the future is looking good. That was podcast sponsor, John Sellers of Corteva. Cabbage stem flea beetle continues to be a key challenge, but experts like Colin Peters from NIAB are working in a cross-industry partnership to combat the problem, launching a new initiative to help growers. We do get them right the way over here, but it's more sporadic. Okay. And then, as I say, we don't have a big problem. Colin Peters, NIAB. I'm NIAB's break crop specialist. This year we're starting Cabbage Stem Flea Beetle Smart, which is sharing management, agronomy and research tools. And the idea is that there's a whole range of factors that are going to have to come back into play from a crop husbandry point of view. As Kit quite rightly says, we need to understand more about establishment techniques, soil moisture levels, understanding our own soils a little better from before we combine the the, uh, previous crop. And we also need to understand a lot more about how the adults are behaving in the hotspot areas. And tying the weather forecast and the adult numbers together will affect what we do drilling-wise. So this project we're quite excited about because it will give us a chance to understand the pest more on a wider landscape. It sounds to me then as though you're putting growers right at the heart of this work. How are you involving them and what are they going to have to do? Part of the project is about understanding how the pest is behaving nationally. So we want as many people as we can to get involved in feeding back information. And that's anything from us just getting their cropping records so that we understand how different varieties with different drilling dates and different sowing rates work in different regions. 
but we also want to be rolling out monitoring techniques, some of which we will train on farm and some of it will be done by digital methods. The farmers that want to get involved more will learn these monitoring techniques and they will feed back information to us so we can see how the pest is behaving annually. But also, we recognise that farmers are going to need to be doing more monitoring for themselves to make decisions about their own crops. So when we get crops that have got too high a larval load, farmers need to know that before they start spending money in the, in the spring. The project doesn't allow us to go and do all this monitoring. It allows us to team up with growers and help them and agronomists. We want agronomists on board as well because it's something that we can all learn to do. These are very simple techniques and we're trying to make them as, as simple as possible so that we can actually, A, get information back on a, call it a big data thing, but also it'll help farms make their own decisions. I mean, we all know that, unfortunately, the chemical options for flea beetle control have gone. What, what are the sort of techniques that people are going to be looking at? Is it, is it trap cropping? What are they going to be doing? We've got the whole range of interventions or management techniques that growers are currently using, which involve anything from different stubble lengths to managing volunteer crops, planting volunteer crops, defoliating, companion crops, cover crops. In the first year, we're encouraging those that are already doing things to be in touch with us and, and we're going to be giving a, a technician to small groups of farmers. So we want to help people understand how they can monitor to see if it is making a difference and compare what they're doing with what someone else in the same region is doing. We need to go back to the crop husbandry. We need to understand this pest and we need to understand when not to do things as well as when to do things. And if anyone wants to get involved in this project, Cabbage Stem Flea Beetle Smart can be Googled. Failing that, you can contact colin.peters at niab.com or anyone in Niab or ADAS will point you in the right direction. Colin Peters from Niab. Of course, there's little point in growing rape if you can't make a profit, but a surge in prices means achieving a decent margin should be easier, both now and next season. James Hood from United Oil Seeds explains. We've seen prices increase significantly in the last three to four months. And we're now getting values well in excess of £400 a tonne gross margins for new crop. So certainly the, the price increases are going to help plantings going forward, almost certainly. It won't be the only factor, but when a farmer knows that he can put a crop in this August and for August 22, with your premiums, even on today's market, you're getting very close to £400 a tonne gross margin per tonne. So when you work that through on three and a half tonne to the hectare, there are not many break crop alternatives as good. I think the other thing is, unlike last year, with the rotation as it has been, there's a lot more winter barley gone in, more winter wheats have gone in. I'm not talking everywhere because some areas haven't been able to plant, but certainly through the middle of the country, where I sort of predominantly look after, and therefore, we will have a lead into an all-seed rape earlier than certainly this last year. So that'll certainly help. And also growers have pushed their um, rotations out. And we're now probably at the rotation levels of one in five, one in six, where growers will come back in, having perhaps not grown rape for a couple of years. What other lessons have they learned, do you think, from the last few years? I think establishment is absolutely crucial. If we go back three, four years ago when we didn't have neonics, we had some excellent crops. Establishment 2018 and 19 
were very, very difficult years. And I think an awful lot of the problems that we had as a result of that was because of the conditions. Whereas this year, those that planted last August, crops look generally very, very good. Have you detected um, a change in the way that oilseed rape's being grown? We've chat about different drilling dates and avoiding flea beetle. Are people doing things differently? I think there is an awful lot of experimentation going on for focus on companion crops, which certainly the last couple of years has been of great interest. We've offered bassine clover, buckwheat, fenugreek, mustard. Various different options are being tried. I think the one thing that perhaps this year has been um, of significance in terms of if you're going to try and determine what's worked has been you've got to get that companion crop partially established before you then drill or rape into it. Because when the cotyledon comes through, if there's any camouflage to any pest attack, then that seems to have been the crops that have got away. Crops that potentially have been sown on bare ground are the ones that have been attacked. So if I'm, um, if I'm a farmer now thinking about, uh, yes, I will grow seed rape again, what contracts are available to me? What, what's going to tempt me even more to go back into the crop? Right, we've got a number of different uh, markets out there. One of the areas that certainly is going to be a growth area will be the higher lake, low linolenic, which we call hull. And at the moment, the typical premium for harvest movement, 22, would be a £25 premium over and above the double O rapeseed price. So if you work that through at 340 plus your £25 premium, plus your bonuses on top, again, you're getting very close to £400 a tonne gross margin. You've also got the higher USIC contracts out there, and those at the moment are in excess of £100 a tonne over the double O. So there are some big, big, big margins to be made out there. And the thing to remember also is that we've got a huge local demand in this country. This year, if we take the plantings as just over 300,000 hectares, we need to be up closer to 540,000 hectares to have a sort of break-even scenario. So we've got huge local domestic demand in this country that needs to be met. So we've got the market there. We just need to get out there and grow this crop. Have we got the genetics? Yeah, I think we've got some very nice oilseed rape varieties out there. So there are certain new traits being bred into the varieties. For example, the typical disease levels like for stem canker or light leaf spot, those scorings generally now are good on most new varieties. But what we've now got, we've got varieties like, for example, Aurelia, the highest hybrid on the list, probably the most vigorous, that has got the turnip yellow virus and resistance in there. There's a new one called Annika that's a conventional that, again, has got turnip yellow virus and resistance. So farmers are going to be looking at those sort of traits and saying, well, I might as well have that. There's no yield penalty. I've got all the other things in there. We've got PT303 from Pioneer with the sclerotinia tolerance in there. So if a farmer finds that most years he's spraying twice for sclerotinia, he may say, well, if I can get away with not spraying for that, or even though they had to spray once, maybe I go for that variety. And then lastly, we've got other varieties like, you know, the club root variety, resistant varieties. And then we've got the clear field varieties for their particular uses. So I think generally farmers have got a good range of products to look at there. And I think going forward to this coming August, the prices are good. 
if conditions are suitable, they need to be suitable, moisture, moisture in the forecast, I think farmers will grow rape. James Hood from United Oilseeds. So markets are firming and demand is strong too. Will that be enough to reverse the crop's fortunes? Much will depend on conditions in the field and, as always, the weather. But it's clear the oilseed rate could be worth another look for some growers. From Farmers Weekly, I'm Louise Impey. Thank you for listening. <laughs>